Very early on, a reporter asked me, what would success look like? I said, well, it's when you see kids in Little Rock rocking the kachina on a hat because the brand means something to them. And maybe they never actually even go to a Coyotes game. It's absolutely critical to have diverse voices at the seat of decision making. One, representation matters. And that's not just to say that your identification is the sole reason why you're sitting there, but it is a key component to the diversity of voices that make better decision-making as a business enterprise. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. I want to take you behind the curtain a little. Our team at WorkinSports.com partners with Hashtag Sports, on their Creators of Color program, their flagship yearly conference, and a few other activations. They are an awesome, awesome group. We love working with them. And as part of our partnership, I get the honor of hosting and moderating panels at their events. This year, I got to host two, which was amazing. Last year was virtual. This year was in person. Now, I'll tell you, we've all become very used to video conferencing. I've led panels remotely, spoke in college classrooms, contributed to other speaking engagements, and led all staff meetings here at iHire. But there's something different about being in person in an auditorium, a lot of seats and a lot of people out there. It was a little bit crazy. I felt wickedly out of practice. There's the Boston in me coming through, the wickedly. I felt wickedly out of practice. Wicked out of practice, dude. Uh, This was my first time back on stage in front of hundreds of my peers, former podcast guests, future podcast guests, and Javier Gutierrez of the Arizona Coyotes, the first Latino president and CEO of a major four North American sports team. That's right, just me and Javier. On some panels, when you host them, a little behind the scenes here, a little bit behind the curtain, on some panels, you'll have three to five people. So if I'm a moderator and there's three other people or four other people, you can hide a little bit as you try to get your thoughts straight. You know, you can kind of let other people handle things for a little bit while you're looking at your notes or getting your thoughts arranged. When it's just you and one other person, there is nowhere to hide. That is feet to the fire. You got to get ready for it. Plus, Javier is wicked smart. He joins the Coyotes from being the managing director at Clear Lake Capital Group. 20-year career as a business executive, investor, deal maker, focused on investment management, corporate strategy and operations, finance and business development. He went to Harvard. He went to Stanford. He managed over $24 billion in institutional capital while at Clear Lake. $24 billion. Um, So this was a guy I was a little bit intimidated to be meeting with. But I got to tell you, it turns out Javier is one of the coolest people you could ever engage with. Smart, yes, but not in that disconnected way where he spends his days in financial models, but no one really knows him. He's not a mathematical mystery. He is front and center for the Coyotes, focused on leadership, culture, diversity goals, community building, and much, much more. I want to take you into this interview because Javier and I got into a really good depth. There's a lot of great perspective brought to this from his, you know, start out in the financial world and transition into the sports world, which was somewhat unexpected for him, but he'll explain how that came about, to his focus on building a community, leading, really getting out in the community and trying to build something special in Arizona and make up for all the mistakes that the previous ownership group was making. 
launching a new arena, building around that. It's so many exciting parts of this that we can all glean from, but even just the spirit and the soft skills of leadership and and culture building and work ethic, it's really interesting. So if I sound a little different during this interview, it could be the microphones. You know, we're at a bigger stage, bigger, less control. You know, I'm not as close to the mic maybe. Um, Or it could just be nerves because it's not easy speaking in front of a big group like that. But either way, I wanted to share this great interview with you because if you couldn't attend the Hashtag Sports event, which is amazing and you should, and I'll tell you there were some uh, really great highlights of guys like Matt Leinart and Tracy McGrady and Cam Jordan, uh, talks on NFTs and Web3, talks on social media. I've booked a ton of guests coming out of that that are going to be coming up in the next weeks. Um, If you couldn't go and attend, I'm allowed to give you the sneak peek into my interview with Javier and to share possibly next week my other panel that I was able to host on Web3 and NFTs with some of the biggest names in our industry. So really cool stuff. Wanted to share that with you today. And stay tuned uh, until the end because I have a pretty funny story to share of something that happened between Javier and I after the interview. So here it is. Javier Gutierrez, President and CEO of the Arizona Coyotes, sitting down with me one-on-one from Hashtag Sports. So I set the stage here a little bit that you come from a finance background, 20 years in the finance industry. This transition coming to sports instead, why? Why did it happen? Why did you feel like you want to move this direction? Sure. Well, first and foremost, I really want to thank Hashtag Sports for inviting me to be part of this incredibly important conversation. How do we get more diverse voices into the sports industry as fans, as uh, people in the industry working in it? as fans, and I talk a lot about also as fans and waiting and targeting them. Um, so I, I always get a couple questions. One, why the hell am I in sports? Okay. <laughs> Two, can I skate? The answer is no, I'm learning. And three, can diverse communities like hockey, right? Um, the reason I'm here is because Alex Morello, the first Latino owner in the NHL, who's a longtime friend and business partner of mine, Uh, came to me and said something that really resonated. And he basically said, it's not about sports. It's not about deal making. It's not about the finance and the business. It's about the fact that sports has this incredibly unique voice and incredible power to make an impact and make a difference in people's lives. And he says, I want to win a Stanley Cup and I want to bring a Stanley Cup to Arizona. But I want us to stand for more than that. I want us to stand for having this platform and making a difference in people's lives. And, you know, I I went to a Jesuit high school and the the motto of the Jesuits is to to be a man and woman for others. Mm -hmm. And that resonated, right? To me, uh, the ability to use the platform of sports to really say, what can we do to make a difference, to make an impact? And what you saw during COVID as well was the importance of sports to commerce, to culture, and to community. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you know, we really can make that difference. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. You know, we do have a large project that we're working on in Arizona that would be the physical manifestation of making that impact. But to me, it's about impact. And our entire organization really revolves around that concept. Oh, I love that. And there's so many avenues we can go in this conversation, and we're going to talk diversity. We're going to talk leadership and culture. But I still want to understand a little bit more about your journey to this position. So when you first got in, and you have all this background and this experience, 
Why did you feel like your special skill set from that finance background really fit well for how you could make that impact in sports? How was that transition? Sure. Well, you know, the, uh, I, as you mentioned, I come from a long career in finance and investment. Or, thank you. Um, and really, it's all about people, right? When you invest in people, when you invest in a company, it's not so much strategy or products or services, it's the people that you're investing in. And sports is not very different, right? You're investing in people, you're bringing a team together, you're giving them a common goal, and you're giving them the resources and the support in order to create success. That's both on and off the ice for us. Um, and so for, for me, bringing that skill set, bringing that background, yes, again, I didn't come from sports, certainly didn't come from hockey, right. um, but I've been in a number of industries in which really what you're trying to do is build a team and build a culture and create a strategy that then, you know, you can execute on. Um, you know, this organization, quite frankly, has had its challenges. It's, yeah. it's, it's been uh, unstable and it's been dysfunctional for well over a couple decades. And so for us, it's a turnaround and it's a significant turnaround and, and we're used to that. Alex and I uh, have been in business together for a long time and we're used to coming in and really focusing on the people that we can bring to the table and finding success that way. So let's get into that leadership side then, because like you said, you know, you come in, there's almost a decade or longer of some bad press. And one thing that happens, we all know in the sports industry is press gets elevated. Mm -hmm. Our industry is passionate people. There's, it gets, when bad things happen, it gets, you know, spread out there like wildfire. When good things happen, it gets spread out there like wildfire as well. So there's positives and negatives to it. When you come in and you know that there's been some tough times with the organization that can affect the internal staff. How do you go about prioritizing? You've got business decisions to make, you've got strategy to set up, you've got stadium decisions to make, but you also have this internal culture and leadership. How do you go about prioritizing what to attack and how to attack it? Uh, the first thing that, that we tried to do is be, be transparent, yeah. right? Be transparent and tell people, we're gonna make mistakes and we're gonna own up to them but we're gonna tell you everything that we're trying to do. And, you know, uh, it's funny, I actually took this job uh, June 8th of 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, <laughs> right? My, my press conference was a Zoom. Uh, I wasn't even aware that it was really gonna be a press conference. I thought I was just gonna show up and start working. Yeah. And, you know, immediately dealing with a shutdown of, of my leak, right? right? My, my players uh, had, had gone home and then we brought them back and we finished the season in a bubble in Toronto and Edmonton. So it actually took me two years before I really met my players. Wow. So think about that, right? I wasn't really interacting with them because of COVID protocols. You have to either be on the business side or on the hockey side. And I obviously chose to be on the, on the business side to work on that part. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, we, we, we had a lot of undoing of 20 years of, of, of bad decisions and we had to start undoing them immediately. Um, I hired a GM within the first six months. Uh, so that was a process that I wasn't anticipating and uh, was certainly new to me. Um, and the constant theme was, why are we here? Why are we doing this? And I really, really wanted to emphasize, we're here because of the impact that we can make. Mm -hmm. And we will constantly go back to that North Star, that concentric circle around which all of our actions uh, really flow is impact. But 
how do you interact with the people who are in that room who feel beaten down, who feel uncertain, who feel questioning whether or not we're just in another long line of, of owners that right. are not going to do the right thing? You're, you're, you're trying to constantly be engaged with them. And it's been a challenge. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that we've done everything right. We've made a lot of mistakes. And, and even internally, um, you know, you put people in the positions for them to succeed, and sometimes you have to make some difficult decisions as to who should be in those chairs. You know, you and I have talked a few times now leading up to this, and I feel like when I talk to you, you have a positive vibe. You seem to have a smile on your voice. You know, there's a, po a lot of positivity that comes off of you. How important is that attitude towards setting a culture, setting a mindset within your organization? I'm not saying you're positive all the time or sunny side up. I'm sure that you can drop the hammer, right? But how important is it to have that kind of positivity forward as you're establishing and building a culture internally? I think it's incredibly important because at the end of the day, we're blessed to be in these positions. I, I feel truly honored uh, to be in this role, right? I feel um, that it is my job to not just have this role for me, but to have it for so many others uh, that will go be, you know, beyond me, right? Um, and part of what we do in sports, part of what we do in entertainment is we bring joy, right? We bring joyful experiences to others. You know, uh, Alex Chang, who's the CMO of the, of the 49ers, and I did a panel together, and I'm absolutely biting his statement here. He <laughs> says, we are in the memory-making business. I like right? that. And it's true. Somebody quote tweet right? that right now. We are in the memory-making business. Uh, so I'm attributing to Alex, credit. even yeah, though credit. I'm going no, to take, take credit for it. <laughs> um, and we can't lose sight of that, yeah. right? I love sports because when I immigrated to this country, my very first baseball game was at Dodger Stadium watching Fernando Valenzuela pitch. And I saw myself in him. Yeah. And that changed my life about not just my fandom, but how much I loved being in this country and how it felt like I could be successful as well. Those are memories that I have and that everyone here, everyone in, uh, has, even if you're not an athlete, even if you're not actually a sports fan, people have sports memories. Yeah. And so I think it's important not to lose sight of that, that that's the business we're in. And yeah, you're right. The sports business can be very challenging. Yep. And certainly we are, we are an organization that is facing those challenges head on. Um, but what we do is we bring joy and we bring memories to other people. And I think it is important to constantly have that as part of the ethos of who you are as an individual as, as well as an organization. You said something really interesting there in just your early fandom is that you could look at Fernando Valenzuela and feel like you were seeing someone you could emulate. So let's transition to that in the diversity and inclusion side. Um, there was a panel yesterday, and Sheldon Lewis, who's a sports partner manager at Twitter, said something that stuck in my mind. He said so often, and he's a, a black man, he said, so often we're fighting to get in the room, a foot in the room, but it's the wrong room, mm -hmm. and we need to be in the room where the decisions are being made. And that stuck in my mind. Matter of fact, I quote tweeted it. But how do you make sure when you're in this position of a decision maker, and you are Latino, and one of the first to the first president and CEO in one of the four major sports leagues. How do you make sure to elevate those voices into decision-making roles? What's yeah. your approach? So the three pillars of our business plan are impact, which I'll say that probably another hundred times. Please do. Times. I think it's great. Uh, it's impact, inclusion, and innovation. 
And inclusion is both bringing diverse voices to the seat of decision-making, as well as truly including every community, every cohort, every aspect of the, the place in which you reside. Um, and then finally, innovative uh, innovation really isn't just technology. Right? I grew up in Silicon Valley and everybody says, oh, it's innovation is technology. It's not. It, technology is a tool for you to think differently, for you to approach problems differently. To your specific question, it's absolutely critical to have diverse voices at the seat of decision making. One, representation matters. If I am sitting here saying, I need to expand my fan base, right? I'm gonna super serve our fans, but I'm gonna also super serve our fans in waiting, which I talk a lot about. The reality is Maricopa County, which is the largest county in Arizona, is 43% Latino. Yeah. If I don't have Latinos you know, engage with my organization, that's my problem, right? And so how do I do that? I bring diverse voices to the seat of decision-making that will give us those perspectives, right? That will give us that pathway of saying, this will resonate, this will not resonate. Right. And that's not just to say that your identification is the sole reason why you're sitting there, but it is a key component to the diversity of voices that make better decision-making as a business enterprise. I always talk about this. We start as a business enterprise to create sustainability, to create vitality, to create a, a thriving business enterprise that will be here and be able to do the things that we can do to make an impact. And a key component of that is bringing diverse voices and diverse talent into that. And sometimes it can be from outside of sports yeah. as, a, as a pathway to do that. Yeah. Obviously, this is something core to you, mm -hmm. um, but a lot of owners, a lot of decision makers, a lot of high level people, it is not core to them. We see the Rooney rule in the NFL mm -hmm. that brings in minority coaches to, for the interview process. We see the Russell rule in uh, college basketball on the West Coast Conference that Gloria Navarez has put into place to also accentuate mm -hmm. minority voices into decision making, making policy around this concept. But I've heard other people argue, actually, I've talked to CEOs, Scott O'Neill from the, from the 76ers at Harris Blitzer said that he has a policy internally that 50% of all finalists for applications will involve minorities. I've heard other people say policies aren't the way we need to go about this. What's your viewpoint? This, this, it happens naturally for you because it's important to you, but there are a lot of people that don't make that decision unless forced or mandated. Is that good? What do we do? How do we fix this problem? I think it's a really good question, and I think you have to first start by asking yourself, what's important to your organization? What are your goals? And by the way, your goal should be bringing diverse talent into it. It, it just should, because the reality is that we are in an industry that is so engaged and so ingrained into the community that you need to reflect what that community looks like. Yeah. That, that's just a reality. You need to have people uh, at the table that can give you those openings and those pathways um, because it's the right business decision to, to, to start off. Um, I don't like necessarily saying you absolutely have to hard, have a hard and fast rule. What I like is the approach of saying you have to be intentional in all of your decision making about having this be uh, top of mind. Right? So if it ends up that the best candidates are all diverse candidates, that's what it ends up being. Right. If it ends up that sometimes you have you know, less in those types of roles, then you're constantly trying to ask yourself, 
was that the right decision? To me, it is a constant conversation. It's not just a, this is our policy and so let's stick to it. It's, mm -hmm. it's just part of the discussion on an everyday basis. And there is an opportunity for us to look at it both on the sports side and on the business side. So right. it's not just a business conversation. And uh, I, I really want to thank, I, I'll take this moment to thank Hashtag Sports for awarding us um, you know, recognition on this yep. div Diverse Coaches Internship Program that, uh, that we launched and uh, had a great documentary created with Kwame Mason as our partner and the NHL called NHL Bound. And to me, those were the same, you know, efforts we're doing on the business side that we're doing on the on the hockey side. Yep. This permeates everything we do as an organization. So to me, I think the approach should be a constant intentionality that it permeates every decision that you're making and asking yourself, how can we do better to open doors to people um, that that all they need is an opportunity. I think the NHL bound campaign was brilliant. Can you, t for all those that aren't familiar with it, can you tell, give everybody a little bit of background on what that program was? The video campaign was great. Sure. It was, it was uh, inspiring in so many ways. So let everybody know that. a little bit about it. So um, when, we when, when I first joined, we obviously had a, a number of speakers for uh, our various you know, theme months, right? So for Black History Month, we actually had Kwame Mason, who had been a very successful documentarian, uh, had created a documentary, Soul on Ice, and he came and spoke to, to my organization. And one of the things I asked him after the conversation was, what else can we be doing? And he sort of looked at me kind of askance, and are you being serious, honest, yeah. you know? Um, and I said, no, serious. And he says, well, I have this idea, and I've pitched it to other organizations, but they just haven't taken it. And the idea is to bring two black coaches, one from Canada, one from the US, to actually coach with your coaches and to create a documentary about it. And I said, okay, let me come back to you. And he literally told me afterwards, he says, I never thought you'd call me back. I called him the next day, I said, done, we're all set. And he's like, are you serious? I go, done. It's amazing that's such a crazy idea. Yeah, like, was, oh my gosh, no way. Like yeah, that seems like, pretty like yeah. easy to say yes to, but it, go ahead. it was done. And you know, I give a lot of credit as well to my coach and to yeah. my GM who said, absolutely, this is important for us to do. And we brought two incredible individuals. Um, you know, so we had uh, Dante and Nathaniel mm -hmm. uh, who came in, who literally coached with our coaches in development camp. And my goal was to create that relationship building, right? You now have coaches in the NHL who, knew, who know these two young men who will be NHL coaches uh, in, at some point. And Kwame followed them and created a documentary called NHL Bound. And then he and I went and pitched ESPN and we sort of shamed them into doing it saying, Great. this is exactly the type of mm -hmm. content that's high quality, that is about bringing new voices to sports, and in particular to hockey. And, uh, and, and they actually showed it, and we premiered it at the NHL All-Star Game here in, in, in Vegas yeah. uh, earlier this year. And uh, it was incredibly successful and obviously has been uh, recognized. What I love about this program is that it sparked so many other efforts. Yeah. The goal was never for us to be the only one. The goal was for us to show people you have the ability to do these things. And again, I think what happens often is that people want to do things. Yeah. They just don't know necessarily how to execute on them. And uh, uh, you know, the, the goal has always been for us to say, hey, this is a way to do it. 
perhaps you might want to think about doing it yourself. I know now of at least a half a dozen other teams who are doing diverse coaches internships. You're now seeing an incredible amount of hiring of females, of people of color uh, in the NHL on the hockey side, yeah. which I think is important. It has to also happen on the sports side. Sometimes you just have to get the snowball moving, right? Your organization pushed the snowball and then you get things rolling a little bit. Yep. Uh, when we think about culture and establishing it and building it, so, so often you think of big sweeping maneuvers and big sweeping, you know, we're going to change how we're organized and how we're structured and who's going to be in charge of this messaging or whatever. And that's all important. But sometimes there are little things that can make a big difference. I happen to be a big draft junkie. I love drafts across all leagues. And I was watching the NHL draft. And this was, it was after you and I had first talked and met and, and had a great conversation. And then I watched the NHL draft and I watched him and his front office get up. And I don't know if you all saw this, but him and the front, rest of the front office get up in matching suits with Coyotes on, logos on the inside. And it got a lot of great buzz, mm -hmm. uh, which I laughed. I thought it was great knowing you and thinking, wow, that's a really funny but great moment. But how do those things translate internally too? I would imagine in the staff, that's just like, a feeling of community and camaraderie that maybe wasn't present before. Yeah, no. Um, so, so I do give a lot of credit to my general manager, Bill Armstrong, uh, yeah. who came up with this idea. Uh, but it was spawned by the fact that we want to be one organization. Yeah. We want to be one team, number one. Number two, we want to change the narrative of our organization. We want to be thought of and, and really kind of top of mind. And so um, he came up with this idea that we're all going to show up. We're all going to look the same. They were good-looking suits, yeah, too. He got, a, you know, he got a sponsor. Top, top. He got a tailor. <laughs> he, he did it all. The, the There's some big boys. You know, they yeah, had to kind of get them fitted, some, right? Yeah, they had to get them fitted right. And um, so they were these, you know, light blue suits, white shirt, red tie. And we got up there. And, you know, we did get some ribbing on, on Twitter. A lot of people asked if we were all groomsmen at a wedding. <laughs> uh, there was also a question as to if we were all trying to emulate the, the minions, yeah. um, but you're a boy band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for us, it was great. It yeah. made us all feel like we are in this together. We are one organization. And to your point, I think it really it's those things that really do create your culture. That really create pride. Yeah. That create a recognition that you're working for an organization that is seeking excellence and is seeking success and is doing so not individualistically but as a team and as an organization. And uh, it, it was interesting. I, I opened up our draft analysis, you know, sort of feedback. The very first article on ESPN <laughs> was about our suits. And it was great. You had a great uh, draft. Yeah, right? and then we had a great draft, right? We drafted three first-round picks. Yep. And um, and then, you know, and we talked about this, Brian. And then, and then to, to Alex Morello's credit, what's the next thing we do? We fly our three first-round picks on his private jet yeah. back to Arizona to say you are key to our, our journey to a Stanley Cup, right? As we said before that draft, this is, this is what we're focused on. We are trying to win the Stanley Cup today yeah. with what we're doing, with the decisions we're making, and all that cultural, you know, touchy-feely stuff, as people often say, all that goes into it. Yeah. When you have one organization going in one direction around this goal of success, around this goal of impact, mm -hmm. right? So we talk again, that's an innovative approach to making an impact. By the way, I guarantee you next draft, you'll be seeing a ton of other teams doing yeah. the same. You know, you guys have to raise the bar yeah, and come up with something you, else. You'll, you'll definitely see You're that. You're going to have matching hats and yeah, whatever. We'll, yeah. figure some, we'll figure something out. Um, so 
the narrative for a long time was that hockey couldn't survive in the desert, mm -hmm. right? Or even in the southern areas, regions of the country. And everybody cites the Atlanta Thrashers, one example. Yeah. But there's been attendance problems across the board. There were attendance problems in Arizona. But you see Vegas locally succeeding. You see the Tampa Bay Lightning succeeding. What is your approach to rebuilding the community around hockey in the desert, in, in Arizona and in Phoenix, uh, to get that energy raised sure. back up? Well, people are often surprised when I tell them that Arizona is actually a hockey place. It yeah. is a hockey town. Um, what's been challenging has been, quite frankly, the organization. The organization has been uh, really letting down, I think, the fans in that community for a long time. And uh, again, I think there was some well-intentioned uh, decision-making that just was bad, right? I think there, uh, it, it didn't get executed well. It wasn't fully thought out. I think the goal was to try to continue to support that fan base. And people are also surprised. The Coyotes have been in Arizona for over a quarter of a century. Yeah, right? it's crazy. They've been there since 1996. Yep. And you now have, you actually have a vibrant youth hockey uh, community there. Last year, to give you guys a, a, a little stat, seven junior Coyotes were actually drafted into the high minors, which is a big deal in hockey uh, in Canada. And we ourselves drafted uh, Josh Stone, whose father has his jersey hanging up in our rafters and who had one of the best college seasons ever as a freshman at Arizona State University. Yeah. So it is a hockey town. It's just been the organization. And a key component of that has been our arena situation, yeah. uh, which we have announced uh, plans to, 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 to address. Um, you know, we have been out in, in, uh, in Glendale, Arizona, and it's been a challenging sort of situation. We proposed a new privately financed $2 billion uh, plus sports and entertainment district in Tempe, Arizona, right next to Arizona State University. Uh, we will be playing this fall at ASU right on their campus as we build out uh, this project. And we think that is a key component of changing sort of the narrative about you know, succeed, succeeding in the desert. Um, you pointed out the reality is organizations can succeed in, yeah. in, in non-traditional markets, as they say. I think it takes an approach of doing things slightly different and being in present and engaged in that community. I think Vegas has done it well. I think, you know, I grew up in San Jose. The Sharks are beloved in yeah. San Jose, right? That, I see it. People tell me all the time, does it work? What do you mean? It does work. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to have an organization that is present, that is engaged, that is looking to do for others and making that impact. Um, and then that has a plan for succeeding both on and off the ice. Before I came to workinsports.com, uh, I spent 20 years in the, in the sports media and I've interviewed players in the NFL, NHL, et cetera, et cetera. NHL players are different, right? They are much more approachable they tend to be much more game for just about anything. Some of the other athletes are a little bit more closed off, but NHL players are different. How important is it to get the players to be a part of the community, to get them out there, to be seen, to be visible, and, and build up a sense of pride throughout the community rather than just being somebody who shows up and plays a game and that's it? Yeah, I think that there's this evolution going on in sports. And actually, I'm going to throw out a challenge to everybody involved Ooh. with hashtag sports, Love which challenges. is... You know, hockey needs entities like Hashtag Sports and everybody who's here. We need to have better content and better engagement and better sort of branding uh, of our players. I think that the hockey community, as you said, is comprised of incredible, 
individuals, incredible human beings, as I get told all the time uh, by my Canadian friends. Right? <laughs> That's the term. It's they're incredible human beings, but their stories don't get out there, and the engagement isn't there. And we're certainly trying to focus a lot on that, but we need help. We want partners, we want content creators, we want people who have these innovative ideas to come to us that highlight these incredible human beings who have had just th these life-altering stories that I think would be great to get out into the world, that I think would be great for young people, for corporate partners, for communities to hear and to become you know, attached and engaged with. And I think that's the transformation that you're seeing happen in hockey is they're there, they're great individuals, they have great stories. It's up to us now to make sure that those, those stories get out. It's so true. You said something really interesting to me when we were talking last week that you were focused on creating, not creating NHL fans, creating Coyotes fans. Explain that difference. Well, you know, obviously hockey is not necessarily a sport I grew up with, right? But I was so attached to the Sharks, right? And why? because they actually cared about me. They cared to engage in me, uh, with me. They cared to have me be part of their experience. And so for us, what we're trying to do is whatever it is that engages you, whether it's our merchandise, whether it's our content, whether it's the fact that we're gonna try to do a great in-game experience and it's about bringing your family and your friends, if you never get on the ice, if you never become a hockey player or, or, or really you know, a hockey fan full time, but you say, you know what? The Coyotes are thinking about me. They're welcoming me. And you know, I, I talk a lot about the things that we've done in this short amount of time while we've still been COVID challenged. One of the best things that I have really enjoyed is bringing people to their first hockey game who have never been involved. And the very first thing they said, wow, no one's ever invited me. Hmm. No one's ever asked me. No one's ever thought about me as part of the organization. No one, we have been in places that no one ever thought the Coyotes would be at. Um, I'll give you an example. You know, we showed up at a classic lowrider car show, right, in Arizona. And they're looking at me like, why is the hockey team here for that? Yeah. But you know what? We gave away swag to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they're rocking Coyote gear. Uh, very early on, a reporter asked me, what would success look like? And I asked the reporter where he was from. And he said he was somewhere from right outside of Little Rock, Arkansas. I said, well, it's when you see kids in Little Rock rocking the kachina on a hat or on a T-shirt because the brand means something to them, because it means that they relate to it, that they're engaged with it. And maybe they never actually even go to a Coyotes game. Yeah. That, to me, is why we talk a lot about building Coyote fans. That's, I mean, that's amazing, and it does excite you to think of it as a full-on community, regional impact, but also reaching beyond those borders, too. As we were talking about earlier, your three different draft picks come from, you know, the U.S. men's national team, well, the junior development, anyway, uh, Quebec, and, yeah, Western Ontario. So you're, you're spanning that. You get new fan bases there. You build Coyotes fans. Yep. It's not trying to get everybody to love the NHL. It's trying to build Coyotes fans, which I think is a brilliant vision. I want to go back to this because it's something that still very much intrigues me. When you first got into this world, getting from finance to sports, were there any, like, aha moments where you're like, wow, this is, this is different? Uh, I think very early on someone asked me what's the biggest difference um, 
you know, between what I've done before. I said, well, you know, whenever I've closed a deal, I didn't have six reporters right. at the deal signing. <laughs> yeah. right? um, and, and I think it's the consciousness of all the stakeholders. Yeah. Everything you do, every decision you make in as an organization impacts so many different people, right? There's your fans, there's your fans in waiting, there's your fellow franchise owners, the league, your media partners, your there's so many entities. Um, and you know, you've ha I've had many of those moments where like didn't think it would impact that person right. that way. So I gotta be a little bit more mindful of that. We're all learning, right? Yeah. Javier Gutierrez, everybody, please round of applause. Thank you. Okay, so I teased it all. Thanks to Javier for coming on and being a part of this. He and I talked after the interview and he was really excited this was gonna be released as a podcast as well. Uh, super down to earth guy, great to talk to. Um, but I got a little funny story too. So at Hashtag Sports, we had a booth set up and we had a uh, work in sports booth. We're trying to talk to people who are employing. We're trying to talk to people who need to get jobs filled. We're trying to just get our brand out there and we have a cool um, slot machine activation. So you come into our booth and you can hit the slot machine. And if you win, we had backpacks and purses and other giveaways. Well, also at our booth, we had these really cool ring lights. So they attach to your phone or your computer screen. They're branded with our logo and they have three levels of lights that come off of them. Literally three bucks a piece kind of thing. It's got a nice working sports logo on it. It looks right at you. Just a nice giveaway. So we're giving these things away and they're going like hotcakes at the event. And I'm looking at the, throughout the day and I see people using them. Like they take them and then they use them right away. They pop them on their computer and they go to a meeting or they pop them on their phone and they're doing a video thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So it's about a half an hour after we did my set, after I did my session with Javier and I'm at the booth and I'm just kind of decompressing a little bit, talking with the rest of our team about how the interview went and in pops Javier. And I'm like, hey buddy, that was great. Thank you so much. I hope you really enjoyed that conversation. We, we chatted for a little bit and he goes, one of the things I want to ask you about are those ring lights. I'm like, what about them? And he's like, where did you get them? I love them. I want to give them out throughout all of Phoenix because I think it's amazing branding. And I'm like, yeah. So we connected him with our vendor and we're getting that all set up to help him out. But I just thought that was really funny because again, you're showing this guy that is super high level at the organization. He was talking to me earlier about bonds and how they're going to pay for their new stadium. And at the same time, he's like, those $3 ring lights were super cool. And I think they'd be great to help us build our community. So I don't know. I think it's what's, what the message there is you never stop being interested and curious and intrigued by different things that are out there. And I, I got that his mind works that way. Like he's always looking for that little advantage, that little thing that can push them further. And I think that's a good message for everybody. So I just wanted to finish up with that little story. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. It's important to our growth that you guys are all contributing in that way. So if you can do that, we're going to keep churning out great content and I hope it's helpful for you. So we will see you on Monday. 